We all know dental school is hard, but being a dentist in the real world is even harder. And what about all those things they don't teach you in dental school, like how to talk to patients and when to buy a practice? New Dentist Boost Camp is here to help you. Easily download and watch 12 hours of valuable CE, giving you tools you will want to implement immediately to help with your day-to-day in the office and lessons that will help you through your entire dental career. Learn from Dr. Paul Goodman and top dental professionals. Gain confidence in crown preps, class two composites, root canals, and implants. Increase patient acceptance. Effectively communicate to your patients and your dental team. This beneficial course is $9.95, but because Dental Nachos loves to see happy dentists succeeding, they are offering new dentist boost camp to dental students for $3.95. Visit dentalnachos.com slash NDBC for more information and to purchase your discounted download of new dentist boost camp. Watch it and rewatch it anytime. This will be an impactful reference tool that you can continue to learn from and use. Buy it today to help you find a good job Start paying your student loans back faster and feel great about dentisting. That's what it's all about. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Dr. Aaron Elliott. Uh, Dr. Aaron Elliott grew up in Southern California uh, as a practicing dentist. She went away to a small NAIA school in Western New York where she played collegiate soccer and graduated summa cum laude from Houghton College. After graduating Creighton Dental School in 2003, she settled in North Idaho to begin her general dentistry career. She has always has a special interest in dental sleep medicine and short-term orthodontics. Dr. Elliott has lectured extensively on this topic and loves to help general dentists extend this life-saving service to their patients. She is also an active member of the local ADA the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, and is the past president and a diplomat of the American Sleep and Breathing Academy. She is teaching sleep apnea with 3D dentists and Dr. Tarin Agarwal, as well as privately coaching practices about sleep. So uh, now, without further ado, here's Dr. Aaron Elliott. Welcome, Amiga, and thanks for being on the show. Well, I really appreciate being here. I was excited about it. It's cool. Well, we uh, we all connected at the uh, New York Dental Meeting this past year. Oh yeah, it's great. We so got it's taken it. taken a few months to kind of I make know. it all work, but uh, we talked about doing this. So I'm psyched that you're able to to join us today. Yeah, love love having you on. We start with the hard hitting questions, Aaron. So uh, uh, if we were in Northern Idaho, uh, where would we go for nachos, and uh, what topping would you you know if you were picking a topping, what's your favorite topping? So every weekend we have um, season passes up at the local ski mountain. And I'll tell you what, if you ever have a dental emergency up on the ski mountain, you will be in no shortage of dentists. <laughs> we all <laughs> oh, nice, seem yeah. to congregate there. But there's this um, place there, bar, restaurant called Poochie's, and they have something called tachos. And so that has become like our, our little family go-to meal where you make nachos with tater tots. And I think that is just too perfect for Idaho to um, not mention. Yeah, I like that. That's unique. I like not, you know, uh, I like nachos in all their forms. So, you know, I, I will uh, let that allow that one with tater tot uh, nachos because it's in the spirit of fun. Uh, having fun and uh, it's not low carb. Some, yeah, at yeah all. it's not low that's carb. That's serious yeah, business. Yeah. It's a good thing you're skiing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kind of burn some <laughs> of that off. That's yeah. a that's a that's a serious serious lunch. Yeah, that is. Uh, and I'm so excited to have you on the show, and I appreciate. Uh, I'm love that we got to meet in person. You got to meet uh, the moderator Daphne in New York, and uh, 
I love what you're doing with helping young dentists and running things yourself, which we're going to dig into. But I just wanted to start off by uh, sharing something you shared on Dental Nachos, which I really appreciate and what Rob and I talk about uh, on our podcast. And I know I, I had kindly encouraged you to share this when I saw it, but you said, uh, you know, ponderings uh, from a dentist, a medium age dentist in northern Idaho. Uh, one thing I've learned the last few years is the importance of camaraderie and mentorship. I wish I could go back to my younger self and tell her to just go to more CE, even if that means debt and time away from my young kids and husband. Um, I could have used the time away. I realized I could be so much more uh, further along in my dentisting. So thanks for using a Paul Goodman term, dentisting. I realized the power of someone pushing me or mentorship. Who is that person for you guys? And I have had amazing mentors along the way. Uh, so just tell me a little bit about what inspired you to write that. Um, I, I think of us as, you know, kind of like a very similar, you know, medium age practice owners. So tell me a little bit about mentorship, either being a mentor or someone who's mentored you. Um, you know, I had so many opportunities for mentorship. Uh, my motivation, I'm not really sure what, I, I think it's because it's 15 and a half years out and interacting with so many dentists, especially young ones. I wish there are things that I wish I would have known then. Um, and there's one in particular female that I've kind of um, took under my wing and she's struggling with, I want to be a partner, but the staff doesn't respect me and all these things. I'm like, just stand up and, and be confident. You know, I want to, um, I help her along with that. And I wish I could go back and tell my younger self to do the same thing. Uh, I have, I've always had my partner now. Um, I was an associate for eight years and, you know, we, we sometimes shared time, um, in our old office, we were working separate days, but I could have come in and, you know, glean some information off of him. He, I don't know if he really liked the mentor role, um, but in my time off, I would go visit with oral surgeons and observe and specialists and observe just to, to see more cases and more techniques. Um, my dad was my, uh, a mentor of mine, and I didn't practice with him per se in Idaho because he was a dentist in Washington, but I did fly over for the first two and a half years of my career. I'd fly over every other week and work two days for him. Um, but I thought he'd be there like telling me what to do and what not to do. But no, he was like, woohoo, I'm off for the day. So <laughs> I probably, yeah. um, looking back, would have asked more business advice and kind of dentist. He, he was always one that was willing to accept new techniques and new technology. And I, I wish I would have um, asked more questions from him. But in the sleep apnea world, as I started my journey, I've Dr. Kent Smith and Steve Carstison and T-Bone is actually a big mentor of mine. And um, we do have an older associate here at my office that just comes in because he likes dentistry too much to actually retire. Oh, nice. He's also the past president of our state dental association. And he's just one of my favorite people. So, yeah, I, I ask him for um we just discuss cases and treatment all the time. It's, it's really cool to see someone very far in their career still loving dentistry and still um, embracing the stuff, you know, the new developments. I, I think that's great. And I, you know, you can tell, and I appreciate using one of my terms, dentisting, and I have just be nice, and that's so dentist. And I love coming with phrases. I really believe that, you know, mentor is too loaded a word because when we were talking initially, you know, you're talking about your dad. Uh, you know, we always think of it as an older person or someone who's more senior than us, but really I'd like to, you know, just have dentists embrace having, you know, dentisting resources because it could be someone younger than you who knows about technology. It could be someone the same age who's doing something that you're not doing. And, you know, I, I just think having more of these resources for dentists, I mean, I come here to Rob's office because I'm his favorite client. Uh, he told me that. And, <laughs> Hands uh, down, Paul. <laughs> I, you take uh, 10 steps and you walk past, you know, four or five attorneys and, you know, they're working in their offices. Uh, they're not talking to each other all the time, but they're there for each other. And for them to see each other, they just got to get up and take three steps uh, to the next office. Us with dentists, you know, most of us are by ourselves. And 
I've always said that, you know, dentists can be surrounded by people, but the office can feel very lonely because if you're the only licensed dentist, I feel it's like you're the only parent at a party with, you know, a bunch of four-year-olds. You would do anything if another parent showed up. So I think, you know, just probably even having your older associate there is just great to have another licensed dentist around to talk (laughs) dentisting and life with. Yeah. And, and even, even some help sometimes like, okay, what should we do in this situation? And, you know, there was, there was a time, um, it was, you know, everyone was urging me to go out on your own. And I was like, I honestly don't want to, I, you know, you go through dental school with how many other students and you're in the trenches together and you do bond over what you share. And, um, all of a sudden you're out on your own. Yeah. I, I didn't like that. And I, I don't like the burden all on me. I'm not much of a risk taker, but I'm just so glad that I have a partner, you know, as far as I hate the term work-life balance, but that's something everyone's always trying to achieve. And I know that's one integral part. Um, So the whole office is on me plus, you know, the home and the travel and everything. So so I like to share some of the burden. I mean, I think that's Um, great. I mean, you uh, work-life balance, another loaded term, because whenever, whenever he says, Oh geez, I don't have a good, it's more just like people around who I can do fun stuff. So Rob went skiing. He left the uh, office to his his attorneys. He said, you know, don't let Paul Goodman come in and steal all the mints. That's what I do. I steal the mints. And, uh, you know, I think that's so important. I mean, I know we'll talk about a lot of things here, but we both uh, do a fair amount of speaking and I couldn't do that without having the support of my brother and the other dentist there. So I just think, I hope that dentistry moves in a direction of dentists at least working under the same roof together more frequently. But as we've seen on face-to-face world and also the Facebook world that dentists just really haven't been trained to get along in groups. Uh, so I give you credit for working with a couple other dentists like I do, but we don't see that too often. So hopefully that will, uh, that will change. Well, Paul, you know, too, it's like work-life balance. That That's a stress too, yeah, you right. know, like it, that's not, <laughs> I think a lot of times people think like that's just a pleasant conversation. And, you know, as any professional, you you feel the, the twitch of, I need to be home, I need to do yeah. other things. And I think a lot of that is just being realistic with, you know, what you have on your plate. You yeah, know, right. if, if you have too much on your plate, there can be, it can't be in balance. You right. know, like you're just, uh, you're just trying to burning the candle at both ends. But, you know, Aaron, I, I did want to ask you, you said at the outset that you, you mentor uh, a young uh, woman dentist. And I think uh, that's cool to hear. And I think that, you know, I'd be interested in kind of hearing from you sort of like what challenges you see younger uh, female associate dentists faced in, in, the, uh, in the dental workplace. Oh, that is a kind of a tough question. <laughs> so I, um, I, you know, when I first started, I was, I was 25 years old and I just thought, you know, I'm moving to a small town in Idaho, which I thought maybe there'd be more, you know, just kind of old school type people. And so I I was like, I'm wearing a white coat and everyone's going to call me Dr. Elliot. And just so they know that I'm the dentist and not the hygienist coming in because I look so young and I was green. But it's interesting. The whole, the whole team was like, wow, like you didn't, you didn't hesitate at all. You just jumped right in there. And, and I think confidence is such a big thing. Um, I thought people were going to have all these problems with me or not trust me, but they did immediately. And I think that was a large part of it. And I teased my partner that, you know, I was an associate, but I kind of always had that ownership mentality. So I told him how much, you know, I appreciate him and for handing over the reins, but it's a good thing he did because I would have taken him anyways. (laughs) Uh, When I first started as an associate, I knew that he wasn't going to just, hand me patients on a platter like I had to put some time and effort into I came in on my days off at, to the staff meetings I went to business groups I went to chamber meetings like I um I busted my my butt you know for like I said I was an associate for eight years um but I think on the other hand I thought that being the, the young female was going to be an issue, but much less than I thought. And it was because I just didn't think of myself once I, once I started. I didn't think of myself as a young female dentist. I thought of myself as a dentist. 
Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, that's uh, and that's great advice, I think, for younger dentists, any younger dentist, but especially females. I mean, it thinks to me, it's like the classic uh, Kurt Vonnegut yeah. line, you know, in the book. I think it was Mother Night. We are what we pretend to be, yeah. right? So if you show up and you act like the boss, or you act like an owner, or you act like somebody who has it together, guess what? People respect that and they look they look to you that yeah. way you know it's, and if you come in and you're sort of like yeah i don't know what i'm doing i really don't know if i want to if i have what it takes to do this well then people are going to perceive you as the person that doesn't know if they have what it takes yeah. to, to succeed right it's, or if you're just or if i if i even though i'm confident in myself and my skills if i were worried about what they were thinking about me as being a female i think we put too much thought into it almost like we we think it's an issue when it's really not and I, I agree with you 100 yeah, so percent. We, we've had we've had um, I, I, I definitely agree. And you said something there was important. I just want to make sure our listeners highlight that you uh, went to uh, team meetings on your day off and you were learning these things. And, and it sounded like you had an interest in buying this practice. But, you know, the, from when you and I are, you and I graduated at the same time and, that, you know, the transitions world was different then. So someone might say now you know, why would I go to a team meeting? Because, you know, I'm not going to buy this practice or even maybe it's a corporate practice. But what I encourage them to do is you don't get a chance to see this inside stuff happen. And even if you're not going to buy that practice, it's going to be valuable to the practice you do buy. And I just think it's great that you had the foresight to do that network, go to team meetings on your day off, because that is what developed your dentist core. So thanks for sharing that, Aaron. But as we move through this, and I know your kids are, your children are older than mine, but, um, Let's now, you know, so you're, in a, you're a confident associate, uh, you're working there, you're going to buy the practice, but then, you know, when you're a mom and you're balancing that and you had kids, I mean, I actually have just a logistical question. When, when you were out on your uh, time having kids, who covered you at your practice? Were you an owner then or associate? Um, I do need to go back real quick. You said I was a competent um dentist but i didn't i don't know about that confident <laughs> confident sound the same um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of slurred yeah, together yeah, right? yeah. Uh, how, how do you feel I feel, uh... so, <laughs> so it when i was having my kids we were at a smaller office so i was only working two and a half days in a uh, week there you guys were able to be out and uh, manage that and i was the sole breadwinner my husband um ever since we moved to idaho he was a pe teacher in his former life and then turned stay-at-home dad and with saying that I, if i was going if, if i'm taking time off for maternity leave um it's all on me so i just saved every penny um literally every penny and drove like a, I didn't get a new car until I was 36 years old and a dentist for like 11 years. That's cool. Um, so we saved up everything we could. I did take a little break from student loans, I think, but it took six weeks off. And my partner, I think, continued to work three, three days a week um, until I was back. I just took time off from flying over to, to, to my dad's. And then I was like, five months pregnant with my second son when I stopped flying over to work for him. But yeah, we just kind of saved everything we could and took six weeks off. But if I were a sole practice owner, like, yikes. I mean, I, I, I think I it's a good, imagine. I think this topic really, you know, bonds the three of us, uh, bonds is a dental term, Rob, just to catch you up. So yeah, <laughs> bonding, uh, you know, Not that bad, the, uh, the, uh, I do a lot of different things like you do too, coach, coaching, transitions, multi-practice owner type of stuff. And I see that, you know, if females are going to be out, we have some, we have many female dentists now who are awesome female dentists doing great, but if they're going to be out for large periods of time, uh, which is even just 12 weeks, what, what I feel people are not embracing is that what happens to the staff that's working at that office when they're out. So we have an office that's a satellite office run by an associate. It's fantastic. And let's say this happens with her. And I'd love to create an, uh, a resource for dentists that could cover for dentists. But we've, you know, uh, Rob uh, is our, our legal expert. We've, we've created a lot of barriers to that by having even licensing problems among states, you know, where covering yeah, for somebody else is problems. Yes, and... it's just it's difficult and and that's why I think that you know my message of dentist bonding and working together just falls into all this because if you work in a group style practice the coverage is easier, you know, where 
people will say, oh, well, the other yep. dentist will just see patients, but they're seeing their own patients. And I mean, um, I haven't probably mentioned this most on uh, dental nachos too often, but you see it. I mean, the dental world is 9 to 6 p.m., right? Nobody wants to come for an appointment at 10 p.m. So <laughs> even if you had extra patients, they still want to come to see you during your work hours. And if you don't have a chef there with you, it can be pretty stressful. So I think, um, you know, I encourage dentists to find ways to to tackle this over the next five or 10 years, because you were just saying there, you know, if your, your husband was able to be home with your with your uh, uh, kids and your, your partner was going to cover for you. But the solo practice owner, you know, that's 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 a real challenge. So, um, yeah. Well, and if I if I didn't have my husband, that's just what how it actually evolved. It wasn't our plan. Um, I I would get a nanny uh, or something to to help manage the home. Um, it's just so nice that my husband does such a good job and, and likes doing it. I also can tell I like your husband because I feel like he's a jokester, but I've never met him. He takes a lot of pictures yeah. of you asleep on the airplanes that I, I particularly enjoy. I feel like I'd like to do that to my <laughs> Mrs. Nacho. Not just airplanes, Paul, not just airplanes. <laughs> Anywhere. So tell us, it's a good segue. Anywhere. So, uh, I do a lot with implants, you know, which I love uh, teaching and and helping people with my first implants. And I, you know, I've I've followed you with all of your sleep apnea. I even snuck in the back of your lecture at the New York meeting. So uh, you can relate it to your own falling asleep all the time. I don't know if it is related or not, but tell us a little about your journey with learning sleep apnea, your passion for it, and how you teach it now. So I, it was like 2008 and I went to our Idaho state dental meeting down in Boise and there was a sleep physician in the morning and then a sleep dentist in the afternoon. And I was like, Oh, this is amazing. I think, you know, I was really identifying with a lot of what they were saying and my own sleep habits and patterns. And, um, you know, I have a lot of family members that snore, but mostly I just love to sleep. And it's evident on my Facebook because my husband loves to take selfies of me and I don't sleep very pretty on top of that. Um, but saying that, I was like, man, if, if I could help someone get a good night's sleep, then I, I want to be a part of that. So that's where I set out and um, work with Kent, uh, Kent Smith and just, just kept learning as much as I could and, and integrating it into the practice wasn't as smooth as you would think and and it still continues to be there tends to be some hurdles so when the opportunity came to to teach other people about it that was always my big focus is making it simple so that essentially any team member can talk to patients about it in patient terms get them to see why we care as dentists and then move on through um, getting a diagnosis and treatment and finding a way to pay for it. That's kind of the flow that we teach is creating awareness, getting diagnosis, financials, and then the clinical part. You know, some, oftentimes for dentists, the clinical part is the easiest part. And I just, I, again, didn't plan to, to teach or lecture or anything like that, but I love just getting the message out there and getting the word that, this isn't so scary. It's just different. And that we as dentists should be at least screening patients. Even if we don't want to implement it into our practice, we have to be talking to our patients about it because we are on the front lines. And the more people I can tell, um, the more people, the more of our country will be helped. That's cool stuff. And what, what kind of hurdles do you see to integrating uh, a sleep uh, apnea practice in a, uh, in a dental practice? Um, I've heard every excuse under the sun. Um, one of them being it, the biggest one being medical insurance and not dental. And they do try to make it uh, difficult on you. But once you kind of get the flow or understand each policy, um, some, some of them can become uh, simpler. Uh, the other is team resistance because it's so outside of dentistry and our comfort zone. The other is patient resistance. Sometimes they, you know, don't even want to, they don't want to hear it or they don't understand why you're talking about sleep at a dental office. And then just, you know, they don't, like my one assistant, she goes, well, I don't want to do anything with this because what if I don't know the answer? Um, so education <laughs> is one of them. Yeah. And then, 
And then there's hurdles from the local physician community and that, but I've, I've busted down a lot of those. There's just, it's not ignorance. I guess there's ignorance and then there's misinformation and, um, you know, I've just kind of made it my mission that we're going to help as many people as we can, uh, you know, where I live and now across the country. That's cool stuff. I mean, I've had clients that have had issues with the, the, the local, quote unquote, the local physician community. So I, I kind of know what you're talking about with that. But if you can kind of tell our listeners, uh, expand on that a little bit, uh, it's what, what you mean by that. And then I'm interested in hearing kind of what strategies you've used. And maybe you don't even look at them as strategies, but what kind of things you've done to sort of break down that, uh, those barriers? Well, we have so much research so much research that in appliances work they do um and that's the problem the family physicians and pas and nurse practitioners are so busy managing essentially they're managing diseases that could be (laughs) they were contributed to by sleep apnea uh they're so busy managing that that they just don't take the time to really ask the why to ask the questions and i've even had a, a primary care friend say that to me. He goes, a patient comes to me with 10 problems. I have time for two. And so they're managing the fires and not the source. Uh, so it's getting out there and letting them know that sleep apnea could, could help them control high blood pressure and diabetes and AFib. Um, it's also the specialists are in their zone too. They're in their lane. Like I'm going to keep this heart healthy, but not really look at why the heart is unhealthy to begin with. So I, I do come prepared with studies, but really what physicians seem to, to me to care about the most is what's it going to cost them, what's it going to cost the patient, and um, do they work? And so I just have to show them the you know, guidelines and the research, and eventually they kind of come around, or if I end up treating them or their loved ones, because they sheepishly show up like, okay, I need to, my husband won't wear their CPAP. So I treat the physician's husband and he loves it. And all of a sudden, you know, I get referrals from them. So I think it's just the unknown or what if they get questions from their patients that they can't answer. So I just make it easy for them to refer over and I take care of the patient from beginning to end. And I think that's kind of what set us apart is that we do have a system and we communicate with the physicians. I think there's resistance too, because all they know is CPAP and it works, but they don't see the patients not using them and begging for help for another solution. Interesting. Do you ever, have, like they have, have a, a rubber, they have a rubber stamp that says CPAP on it. <laughs> have, you, have you ever experienced any sort of resentment from, from physicians that feel like you're, you know, as a dentist that you're getting out of your lane with this stuff? Um, not really, uh, but that could be in any, uh, that's my town. I, I don't know in any, in other areas, but, you know, I do try to stay in my lane. Um, but what I found, I went and spoke to some family, uh, residents or family or yeah, or family medicine. And I was sitting there, I'm like, okay, I'm this lowly dentist, so I'm going to come out with them with, this is the dental signs and symptoms we look for, and this is how we treat them. And with, you know, there's different appliances. And at one point, I was talking, and they, they raised their hand, they're like, what's an AHI? And that is the basic, like, parameter on how we measure how severe someone's case is. And they didn't even know the basics. Wow. And that was what was yeah. so eye-opening to me is that, yeah, I'm supposed to stay in my lane, yet the people that are in the lane don't know how to drive. It's, it's true because... Like, uh, they don't even know how to turn on the ignition. So, also, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. sorry yeah, I'm not you. saying that every physician doesn't know, but they, they really don't know our world. And, and I'm con- considered kind of a specialist in this, and I've devoted so much of my time and life to learning it, that I can understand why they might not know, because they have to know so much, but... I, I just try to get out there and educate them, let them know that I will only make an appliance when it's, um, you know, necessary. So, yeah, it's just talking to people and getting the, your team on board. The thing I was going to say, Aaron, is I love implants. Um, I think implants, sleep is like implants of like 10 years ago because I used to have these slides when I started lecturing 
years ago that there was so many millions of missing teeth and there was plenty for all the dentists to share. So even now it's, it's just silly for dentists to think there's not enough implant patients. Cause you know, it's like the Haley Joe Osmond six cents or me with nachos. I see dead people and nachos everywhere and you see <laughs> implants everywhere. And there's no reason to argue because every dentist could start trying to do implants and there would be no fighting. But dentists, you notice we can fight about anything. And with this sleep apnea stuff, same thing. You know, there, you probably, I know we have a, a wonderful dentist who we collaborate with, um, uh, uh, Dave Slobodinsky, who's just great uh, with knowing a lot about sleep like you, you do. And he said, you know, Paul, uh, I've gotten more compliments and more life-changing things on the sleep apnea stuff I've done than all my dentistry combined, right? And he's only been doing it for a few years. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, uh, it's an opportunity for dentists to do good and uh, do good while doing good, but also feel good about what they're doing. Because I'm waiting for it. Yeah. Nobody's thanked me for a filling once. Uh, class two composite uh, number 19. I'm waiting for that day. I don't know if it's going to happen. So it's also just a morale booster, I'm sure, for you to get, you know, I've, I'm just, you know, we've gotten some amazing letters from people he's treated with us about, you know, one lady was funny, said I'm, I was kind of always, she used a little more colorful language. Like I acted like a jerk every day. I didn't realize because I wasn't sleeping. Now I have this appliance, you know, my life is better. We one time had a, a funny consult. Uh, uh, the partner I knew the patient was coming to the see, you know, the sleep apnea person for a consult. And I saw a second person trailing behind her. And the partner was like, I'm here to make sure uh, she doesn't lie, that she does snore. And I just thought it was funny because, (laughs) but you know. uh, That's what we get all the time. So there is patient (laughs) resistance sometimes, too. There's a lot of denial. Yeah, so, you know. Probably worse than implants. I mean, at least an implant, that's a little more intuitive what that is. I mean, with the sleep apnea. You yeah, have to really. It's pretty con- obvious you're missing a tooth, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and that this is something that will fix it. But then, you know, it's like when you suggest that this is something which just just seems counter not counterintuitive, but doesn't necessarily seem to relate. Like yeah. I, I'm at the dentist, and they're going to help me with my sleep problem. Yeah. Like you know what's going on here. Yeah. So you really have to do some work, I think, to to educate them to the point where like they get it. And the same thing with physicians. I mean, I'm happy to hear that you haven't seen that resistance I've had because I guess I only see like the morbid problems <laughs> yeah, come yeah. to me, right? Where, <laughs> where people are doing the sleep apnea uh, stuff in their practice and, you know, physicians locally are like bitter or resent the fact that they think that they're, you know, practicing medicine and, you know, they don't like the competition. And why is this dentist, you know, telling my patient what they should be doing to treat their sleep? When meanwhile, as you said, Aaron, they're doing absolutely right. nothing, yeah, right. zero to solve the problem, but they don't like your, your yeah. solution necessarily. Well, yeah, right? I mean, it should be about the patient well, at the, the end. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna, you know, um, Paul, I, I don't think I'm anything special. You know, I, I, yes, I've made sleep apnea work. Like I, and I have worked at it and that's, a lot of what it took, it doesn't like necessarily just get handed to you. But in saying that I found my why, like I was up against, like it was an uphill climb. My partner's like, you know, boss at the time was like, eh, this is just a fad. It's not going to go anywhere. And then you hear resistance from physicians. Um, sometimes it resistance kind of everywhere, but I just was unwilling to give up. And so that's kind of what I start with. That's the foundation in my lecture is just start with your why because otherwise you'll just give up. But now we're at a point where, you know, that's what I'm known for. So people come to me. So it wasn't easy. And I never want to give that perception. You know, they're like, well, I'm not Aaron, so I can't do that. No, I, I I'm just like everyone else. But you also, you know, you, you, what you're doing with your courses and I heard your lecture, which was great. And what I try to do is, you know, you have to start somewhere. I do a lot of my first implant, my first practice purchase. seems like you could do my first start with sleep because it's, it's a long-term journey. But if we just, you know, Rob and I talk about this podcast, helping with the non-clinical aspects of dentistry, stuff you didn't learn in dental school, business aspects. And if you just look, you know, uh, if I said to you, hey, um, Aaron, why don't we take some courses together on RPDs and bridges, you would say that's not really a good use of our time. So this probably happened throughout all of dentistry where, you know, people who did bridges, the partial people said that'll never be what we do. And it turned out that way. And now in 2019, yeah. uh, we did it. I mean, a lot of people who are young have great teeth and 
the disease that we treat with cavities is on the, no matter what people want to yell about me on, on my group, I don't why so much yelling, you know, it's a free group, but still a lot of yelling for a free group, but it's okay. <laughs> Dennis can complain about free. That's it. You know, uh, here's a free dessert. Uh, I don't, don't, I prefer not to eat it. A dentist smashes it on the floor and yells at the server, but that's just side note there. Uh, Aaron, but what I'm saying is <laughs> there's less decay for dentists to treat we're trained to treat decay, what I call like kind of cordless phones. And now people want cell phones and you're training people to do it and you're helping people. We should just wrap our arms around it and enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I think you're, <laughs> you're just great to do that because you're not, um, a, you know, 65 year old dentist, nothing wrong with them. And you're kind of this, you know, what I think is this uh, cool role model to say, Hey, I've done this and it's a long process, but you can add this to your practice. And, you know, these numbers you don't have to have off the top of your head, but I know, do you have any idea how much sleep now represents percentage of your total office production? I'm just looking for 10%, 20%, 30%, 50%. So, yeah, we were just looking at the numbers because, you know, obviously you want to see growth and see where the numbers tell a story. And it's not that I'm all about the money. It's that the numbers tell you where you're missing, you know, the treatment case acceptance, is it um, patients not being able to afford it, is it the way I even treatment plan? So saying that, um, our numbers were pretty darn good this year. My my one sleep champion went to three days a week, as did I. And so I'm doing um, two columns of dentistry and a column of sleep in it. So it was about a quarter of our total practice. I do in the scheme of things I do share with my partner, kind of we just put it into the pool. I don't carve out the sleep from the rest of the practice. But because I'm so busy doing that, he does a lot more of my dentistry. So it just kind of all evens but out. That, I mean, that, I don't want to miss that But it that was far. about a quarter I of I mean, that's, that's massive. So I'm, you, when I, I share these numbers without sharing my total office production, because then dentists just, they get focused on this. And they say, how much does your office produce? I said, guess. It's a billion dollars. think it's a billion dollars. So, but I love the- <laughs> What pursuit. are you doing here, Paul? Yeah, 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 right. I know. I'm, I'm just giving back. I'm big at communities. I'm a Let's billionaire, jet, right? Fly out of here. Be, because they'll just lose focus. So I'll say that our implant, uh, that's close to what we do with implants. And that's amazing because if you had zero, your office would be smaller because you've added this. And what I've- I do this great thing in my lecture, and feel free to use it, Aaron. I'm, uh, you just have to give me one plate of nachos for the rest of your life every day. It's like Shark Tank here. But no, uh, um, you can say, and it's a great engagement thing, and I know we both speak, and you know we could have multiple podcasts and different things. But you know, when you speak, you got to get people engaged right off the bat. We, you know, there used to be in dental school, so I just say, you know, who here wants to be happier? You know, keep your hand up. And, you know, everyone keeps their hand up. And who wants to make more money? Hand still up. And I say, okay, just to keep your hand up if you want to work more hours. And I've taped this and every hand goes down, right? So nobody wants to do that. So the only way to do that is to do more productive things in the hours you're working, like what you're doing with sleep. And it just has a, a one plus one equals three with it being great for the patient and probably fun to do. And I, I don't want to miss this part, Aaron. Tell us, uh, what, when you take imp uh, impressions for a sleep apnea appliance, what material do you use? <laughs> um, you know, Paul, I have to admit I'm doing a mixture of standing now. We have a Sherrick, but it's shared for restorative between two dentists. So I don't always have it free to, to do the digital scans. So I'm working on what we're going to do with that. But I do love Kettenbach, and that's what we use. Silgenot. So friends do not let friends putty. use Alginate. No. no, I use the putty and wash. Yeah, yeah I mean... Silgenet for for my ortho and stuff. We use silgenet. But you don't you don't use alginate because it is nonsensical and annoys everyone. So I just want to get that out there to the list. I know it's, yep. a, it's a it's a brace yep. of it's a brace of the dentist. Rob and Dan don't understand what I'm saying. It's no like, idea what you're it's talking polarizing. about. No, Dan, it's po polarizing. Dan, Dan shakes but, uh, his head too. You're two to like, one. Here, it's Paul. like using a, uh, a abacus. If you like to use an abacus, you can use alginate. But uh, I you know silgenet is a company I work with all the time. Keaton Bach and I've I've used it for years. And uh, before that, Aaron just you know I, w I was actually just buying the cheapest PVS I could find because I couldn't stand taking alginates. And uh, now I know you use a scanner, but I'm glad you actually said that because, uh, sorry to delve into dental stuff for five minutes here, uh, Rob and Dan, but when you have a scanner, we don't have a scanner, but my friend Todd Fleischman, he just got a scanner. He's very, very excited. It's like a new toy. There's so many Instagram stories about this scanner already. I can't, I can't take it, but he's a great guy. But you just said something that was so valuable. You're in a busy practice, right? 
and you have a scanner. Yeah. But you still need Siljanot, right? And you still need regular impression material. So just the why is that sometimes the scanner's in use, you know, with another yeah. procedure. So our audience yeah. know that a scanner doesn't mean you're never going to take another impression again, right? Yes. You know, so I just think it's, you know, yeah, much to some of my digital technology friends, um, I'm sure I'm giving them like ulcer right now, but I still do take impressions, even though we are capable of digital. And I I, I don't mean to change the subject. Sure, sure. We'll go back to non-dental stuff. (laughs) No, this is dental. It's all dental, Paul. (laughs) Um, I'm curious, though. Do you have any uh, people in your office, assistants or uh, that are just uh, dedicated to the sleep practice or do all of your people kind of do pitch in in all aspects of the practice? The key is that honestly, the biggest difference between me and someone else trying to implement this is having someone dedicated to it. Now I've tried it every which way where we're just, you know, we're going to schedule on Thursday afternoons and then it was all day Thursdays. And then, um, it, it was, it wasn't until I released my one chair side assistant that was trying to do both to do it full time, um, that it really became fluid and saying that she is in charge. However, she needs still needs people to support her. So she, so essentially both my chair side assistants are capable of delivering, doing follow-ups, doing adjustments, taking, you know, impressions, doing what we need. And then the, um, the hygienists know how to talk to patients about it. They don't need to know much beyond that. The front desk knows how to answer um, minimal questions, and they're you know we we educate them so they know how to. We're really trying to stay, save sticky notes for free to have to call back, and then she works closely with a financial person. So yes, even though everyone's familiar with it, uh, there is one person in, in charge that we call a champion, and that's been the biggest um, success for me. Yeah, it's cool. Makes sense. I mean, so to have somebody that's just focused on taking care of that aspect of the business. Yeah, yeah I think that's uh, great. And tell us, Aaron, a couple of things you have coming up. I saw some cool things you have uh, going on with a, a spring break, uh, a medium age person spring break trip or CE. Tell us, tell our listeners about that. Yes. So there is a group of um, women who have put together what they are calling EPIC. And it's a group of women that just love dentistry and and want to continue CE and really bond with each other. So they did a when last July I wasn't able to be a part of it. But this year we're going to uh, South Beach, Florida, which is the one place in Florida I haven't been. So I'm kind of excited about that. And it's Starts Thursday night till Saturday afternoon, and it's it's actually a lot of good CE. I I need help with fine photography, like in a big way. And we have implant lecture, we have anterior aesthetics, and then of course I'm sleep apnea. Plus we're going to mix in some salsa dancing lessons and yoga on the beach, and just a good time. So we kind of get a break from the weather from our kids and our husbands, and uh, get some learning in too. Break from your husband's. Mrs. Masha would never want to break from me. She wants to spend as much time as me as possible. So, <laughs> yeah, <know>. that's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. That's cool. Hey, Aaron, if uh, if people want to learn more about that, uh, the CE event, the Epic event, um, or you generally, uh, what's the best way for our listeners to uh, to reach you? Well, on on Facebook, um, yes, I'm from that generation. I'm still not quite the Instagram master I should be. You know, I think Instagram prevents me from being able to interact and joke as much as I like to. <laughs> um, but on Facebook, I'm Aaron Elliott DDS. The big thing is that there's two L's, two T's, and two D's, so that you can find me. And then my email address is Aaron Elliott DDS at gmail.com. And then I actually have a website now. I was resistant for probably three years now. Um, it's not quite where I want it to be, but it has like where I'm going to be and just some little things about me. So that's AaronElliottDDS.com. Cool. I think every website is always a work in progress, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It'll be, it'll be yeah. Down the business over. Well, uh, Aaron, I really appreciate. Let me just say, it's not okay. my priority. But. Yeah, you Well, I appreciate you sharing all these things as you know, sleep, sleep queen, practice owner, 
uh, speaker, mentor. I really appreciate uh, what you're doing in the Nachos group and the Young Dentist group. We loved your live video with the uh, injection. Uh, so I just uh, look forward to getting to know you better and do some fun things and bring you to Philadelphia yeah. uh, sometime soon to have nachos in person. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing is that I really am just a regular old dentist in a mid-sized town. I, that was my homage to the office because pretty much when I come home, there's at least one episode of Office on at all times um, in mid-sized dental office. And, Paul, it was so nice to meet you in person. At, you know, I'm, it's interesting being on Facebook and knowing all these people like they're your friends and family and then not meeting them in person. So. Um, I, I thought that you were exactly like I thought you would be. And it was really awesome to, to see you face to face. Wow. Thanks. You too, Rob. Yeah. You're not, you're not too bad. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. That's my, that's my catch line. Paul Goodman, not too bad. Right. Paul, I, I didn't pay her to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Not just that. Well, thanks, Aaron. We really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Aaron. That was really cool, Paul. I mean, uh, Aaron saying she's just a, a regular dentist in a small town. Yeah, I mean, anyway, sure. It's very natural ordinary because, uh, I know as a, um, practice owner does a lot of different things it's really difficult to implement something new but it's so worth it when you do because yeah. uh then it's part of your practice and you know just i think dentist we don't realize it's when you can do something that really changes people's life it's not always about money or production it just makes you feel good going to work right because we do a lot of things that people don't like and uh when you can add those things and that's why i think implants and sleep apnea appliances are just go hand in hand with the fun and life-changing part of dentist being a dentist sure and even that that's from a professional fulfillment standpoint but from a financial standpoint yeah. if you're in a competitive industry which dentists are uh, you need to have as many bullets in the chamber as, as you can, uh, right? Totally, and you've, you've given me a lot of good feedback on this, and, I, and, I've, and I've coached Dennis on this. You know, you have a lot of patients that are your patients. They're your fans. They're nobody else's patients. You just need to introduce things like this to them. And, you know, we've done that in our practices, and it's, it's fun. It can be explosive for growth, and it's something that you can look, you know, it's classic internally, internal marketing, as opposed to the external piece. So the dentists out there are looking to enhance production. I, I think this is a great way to to learn to do it. And uh, again, you know, I, I had a, Aaron mention the Silgenaut, which is, you know, one of the companies I work with a lot. And, and Dr. Dave, because there's an old school material called Alginate. But uh, dentistry is full contact arts and crafts all day long. Right. So when you just do a nice project, it's, it's actually just to share with you to, you know, the sleep apnea technique is very straightforward. Taking impressions, delivering appliances, um, it's a, it's something you look forward to doing as opposed to some of the other technical stuff we do can just be very stressful. So right. it's all good. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting too, as you said, you know, you are a, a trusted advisor, a trusted yeah. healthcare advisor. And, uh, if you have that level of trust and you're genuine with your patients, then you show them that you want to help them and you can help them. And whether it's, uh, implant or sleep apnea, you have a captive audience. You know, somebody's there because they've chosen to go see you. you know? I, I've always, always say, don't go food shopping when you're hungry. Then I have to be like, I can never go food shopping. I'm always hungry. But uh, <laughs> they're in the de they're at the dentist. This is when their mind is into their health to some degree. Right. And that's when you just kind of said this. You know, you were saying the same thing. That's when they'll make other decisions like this uh, to capitalize on. It. They have the you know one of my favorite words. They keep up the momentum sure. of good decision making uh, while they're there. And uh, the, what Aaron said too, though, is just important. It's and, and we have to be cognizant of this as business owners, especially dentists. Like, you have to get your team on board, and that's an easy catchphrase. But what it means is you don't want to leave them not knowing what they feel like they know what they're saying, yeah. right? And that dentists do that all the time. They learn a new thing at a course, they come back. We're all going to do the new X, Y, Z, and the team's not aware of it, and then you put them in a tough position. So the training part is important. Yeah, and, and to that, and too, I, I think it was really interesting and and uh, really. Uh, pretty powerful stuff that she chose to dedicate a person to the sleep apnea. Yeah. And that's a level of, of focus and commitment that obviously is paid off. But I think a lot of people want to get into this world and they want to have kind of stick their toe in a lot of different ponds. And, uh, you know, if you do that, you don't really follow through on any one particular one and really jump in and have a, you know, a high level of commitment. It's hard for it to be successful. And I think based on what she is saying about the you know percentage of her practice that is sleep apnea, that commitment 
has paid off. Yeah. And I mean, I was just watching the most recent episode of Top Chef with Mrs. Nacho. I said, why I watch these chef shows and I can't make any food. I don't know. But not, I don't cook anything, (laughs) nothing. I cannot make it. But I like the shows because it's about business and it's about, and and when you watch the Top Chef shows, there's two people from Philly, by the way, uh, a Laurel person and uh, a Garces uh, disciple. And when they do the team things of these top chef, nobody wants to make dessert because none of them make dessert. And when, you know, your daughter Lauren makes these amazing uh, desserts because she focuses on it. And that's what happens in a dental practice where you can only sub-focus on certain things. So you might as well make them stuff like implants and sleep apnea because uh, it's worthwhile to do so. And I think more dentists, we're, we're trained to think, oh, just do a little bit of everything in your practice. But, you know, you, your field, the same thing. You don't see lawyers doing a little bit of everything, you know, like a country lawyer from TV who will defend you in a criminal trial and also do your will. So They're out there, though. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you got, yeah, though, right? Yes, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, Aaron's bringing that to our town in Idaho. And, uh, you know, that's I think more dentists, our listeners, can consider bringing that to their towns and uh, sharing that with their patients. Yeah, great stuff. So uh, thanks for uh, tuning in, everybody. And uh, as always, if you like the show, please uh, go on to iTunes or Google Play or however you listen to our podcast and give us a great review. And uh, if you didn't like it, please don't review us. (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) It's time to match a face to the voice. Come to the Dennis and Team Boost Festival to meet the Dental Amigos in person. Friday, May 31st and Saturday, June 1st, Dr. Paul Goodman will be hosting an exciting dentistry event in Center City, Philadelphia, featuring all-stars in the dental industry. You'll have the opportunity to meet and mingle with industry leaders, including Robert Montgomery, Mark Costas, Desiree Yazdan, and more. Learn in a dynamic atmosphere from dentists who are creating innovative procedures and sharing their reliable approaches. Go to dentalnachos.com for more information and to purchase your tickets. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.